Today's Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. New cornerback Marcus Peters and the Ravens D play their best game of the season. We dive into a recap of the first half of the year with it being the bye week. In prime time, Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes square off this week, and the Terps lose a tough one to Indiana at home. Stay tuned. Let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. Let's get this shit started. BS, BS. You said it was old. I went different. Come Could on. not do it. <laughs> What's up, BSers? Fred and Scott in the studio tonight. No bartender in the house. Again. I'm sad. I, I don't like it when I don't have a bartender. <laughs> As I said, Brian, you're going to need a doctor's note for this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well documented, please. <laughs> We got a lot to cover on the show uh, as the Ravens win big up in Seattle, uh, a big win against a a tough opponent, a game that a lot of people said going into it was going to be really the first real test for this Ravens team. Yeah, but I tell you what, the 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 Ravens themselves really were proud of the and and John Harbaugh commented on it. We're going to talk about it. The fans showed up. Yeah, they did. That's one thing. The Ravens flock travels well, that is for sure. And obviously, they did play a tough game earlier in the season against the Chiefs. Let's not forget about that as well. But uh, yeah, look, this was a complete team, and this was a big team win, an important game moving forward to really kind of overall see where this team is at. Huge game. And then, you know, when you look at things too, coming into the bye week, that's another thing that we're going to be talking about yep. is, you know, where where do we stand after after seeing the first half of the season? What are our holes? What are our expectations? Do we expect any moves? You know, we're going to talk about all this stuff and, and really kind of dive into what can we truly feel like we can expect or what do we expect in the second half? Yep. And then this week's primetime games, as mentioned it earlier, uh, they've been lackluster to say the, re- to the least this so far this year, especially Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football have been god awful. Uh, the one game that you would look forward to this week would have been. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers going up against Pat Mahomes of the Chiefs, but Pat Mahomes is uh, out with a bad knee injury, so he'll probably be sidelined for a couple more weeks. They still won last week. I'm yeah. just going to say that. Matt Moore is not beating Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and the Packers, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then the Terps lose a tough one at home to Indiana, a game that was really the first close contested game of the year. The Terps have either been blown out or have blown out their competition. This was the first game where – you were actually into it for all four quarters. Yeah, agreed. You were you were you were locked in no matter what at that point. Well, before we get into too much, I want to remind you guys, have you ever been injured at work or in an auto accident and not sure who to call? 855 MD Crash are the Maryland personal injury attorneys that have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team a call at MD Crash right away. We all know that the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial position. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now. 
855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including tickets to some of your favorite hometown teams. All right, Scott, let's not waste any time. Let's run right into this game because I'm excited to talk about this game. There was a lot of things that happened. I'm not going to let that pun go real quick. We, we're going to run right into this Hey-o. game. Not intended, but I like where your head's out. <laughs> Good catch on that one, Scott. Because uh, there was there was so much going into this game, right? Uh, obviously, after the show last week, I wasn't here for the show, so I didn't get to kind of give you my take on it. But after the show, the Ravens make a move, and I think it was a move that surprised a lot of people. You know, there's there's been talks about what the Ravens should do. Should the Ravens have added a corner? Should they add pass rush? Should they add a wide receiver? Should they add offensive linemen? You know, everybody's got their opinions. Right. Just like they've got assholes. Everybody's got them. <laughs> well, they add a corner. It wasn't either one of the corners' names that everybody had been talking about. Minka Fitzpatrick, he was gone. Jalen Ramsey was the one that I think everybody was clamoring for. But they go out and they make a deal to bring in Marcus Peters. And, man, this guy has an immediate impact right away. I mean, I called it last week. I thought he was going to be a, a playmaker in this game. You know, he he was really – they shot at him when they played – when the Rams played Seattle, they took shots at him multiple times in that game. He he missed two chances of interceptions and wound up giving up two pretty big plays in that game. He was coming back with a vengeance. Right. He wanted to intercept that ball. He was ready to go. And he was playing, you know, they're playing man, but he's playing. I heard a great comparison. He was playing an area. He play, he's he's that type of cornerback that he can play an area when he even when he's playing man. Yeah, see, that's the thing with him is he played a lot of zone coverage out with the Rams, and in this offense or this defense, he's going to be asked to play a little bit more man, and he likes to play that kind of soft man where he gives his defender a little bit of a cushion, and he's very savvy in the sense that he's able to manipulate quarterbacks into doing things with his eyes a la yeah. Ed, Ed Reed. Ed Reed was much much like that you know, from the safety position. And I'll be honest with you, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of baggage that you might get with Marcus Peters because he, he's a vocal guy. Um, he's had some... He's not off, afraid to talk his mind. He's not afraid to talk his mind. He'll say things in the locker room. He hasn't had the greatest... Uh, you know, following obviously in the couple years he's been in the in in the league, he went from the Chiefs to the Rams and now to the Ravens. There's a reason behind that. But with this team and the desperate needs that they were for a couple of positions, this was a great great value move. It was a great value move, and to your point, he comes up big here. And I tell you what, the players they love him. They absolutely love him. They love how he's set up. They love how he does things, especially after he made that big play. Ravens bunch seven along the line. They'll rush five. Wilson steps up, pumps once, throws along the near sideline, intercepted, picked off, and going to the house. It's Marcus Peters, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Ravens. And welcome to the Ravens secondary, Marcus Peters. Yeah! Y'all know him as Marcus Peters. Hey, I know him as MP Juice Man. I don't know you like that yet, but I love you, my hey, boy. Hey, hey, I love you, my hey, boy. Hey, I don't know him like that either. I told him I love him. And that's what you want, man. You want a guy that comes in, makes an immediate impact, turns you know his teammates' heads immediately, and puts some trust and faith in this guy. And he was able to do that with a 
an immediate pick six. And you know what was best? And we couldn't play the video for, for copyright purposes, right. obviously. But the video that the Ravens put out, that whoa that you heard. Eric DaCosta. Eric DaCosta was on the field, and he was pumped. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, look, Eric DaCosta so far in his GM run, it hasn't even been a full year yet, right. has really, really made some big moves and made some important moves and ones that have so far paid off pretty big dividends. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the fact that you bring in Marcus Peters. He makes an immediate impact in this game. Uh, it, and then the other guy that kind of, in my went, my eyes, went under the radar in this game as far as the credit that he deserved, yeah. LJ Fort. Yeah. LJ Fort had a big game. He got called for, as far as I'm concerned, a BS roughing the passer penalty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get it's to the letter of the T of the, you know, of the, the quote unquote rule, but he hit him square. It was a, it was a normal hit and he could, you cannot stop yourself when you're launching yourself at the quarterback who still has the ball in his hands, by the way. Right. And I think that goes along to what I'm saying about the Eric DaCosta moves. Some of these moves that he brought in with these linebackers, other teams had no use for him. Freaking, uh, um, God, the linebacker that, that we just... Um, Bynes? Bynes. Josh Bynes. Yeah. He was sitting on the couch. Didn't even get an invite to anybody's you know training camp or anything. No. And he comes off the streets and is playing very well. What I like about this is he's not afraid to make the bold moves. Maybe some of the moves that past GMs or other GMs... I'm not going to say past GMs because I'm not saying Ozzy's never done it. But other GMs won't move, won't make... And he's able to do that, and it's paid off. Yeah, and I get, when I say he undervalued with the, the LJ Fort move, not only this is he able to get to the quarterback, and multiple times in this game, you know, people and I see some comments in, in the the chat room about the pass rush. LJ Fort, in my opinion, brought a little bit more on the pass rush game, and the fact that he was able to get sideline to sideline. Yeah, the guy was everywhere I turned, he was there. Right. No, there's no doubt this team still needs to address the pass rush situation. And if there's anything negative that came out of this game, it had to be the news of Pernell McPhee going down with, this is now the third week in a row that we've lost a player to a season-ending injury. Yeah. Three weeks in a row. You had, uh, who was it? You had um, Tony Jefferson. Right. The one week. You had Deshaun Elliott. Right. And now you've got Pernell McPhee. And again, at a position that you're already super thin at, I'm not saying he was lighting the world on fire, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Pernell McPhee did a lot better than my expectations of him when he came back. He put he I felt like he was putting pressure on Russell Wilson in this game. Yeah. You know, while he, they weren't getting the sacks in this game, Russell Wilson was feeling the pressure. Right. When you hold that offense to 16 points. You held you held an MVP quarterback. Yep. This guy was on a on a track and was kind of the uh, unanimous right now MVP for most people. And you held him to 16 points in this game. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, you look at the stats, if you just want to look at the sack numbers, no, the Ravens didn't do very good in this game if you're just looking at the sack numbers. I think they only had one sack and it was really more so it wasn't even for a loss. I think he got him at like a half a yard loss at most. Right. But they were able to get pressure on him and make him uncomfortable. They hit him 10 times in this game. Yeah, they were. So I said the pass rush to me, you you guys are out there saying, chiming in, saying this is this needs some work. I, I agree. It might need a little bit of work, especially now that McPhee's done. But let's look at the performance that this team just put up against an MVP caliber quarterback. Right. You cannot ignore that. And if you're going to sit there and say 
th- this this pass rush still needs a ton of work. Dude, you d- you didn't pay attention to that game then no, as far they, as I'm they, I will say they've had a game. They had a good de- a decent game, but they definitely need some work. They definitely need to bring some guys in. Again, Pernell McPhee goes down, so now they've got even more of a need than they had prior to this Agreed. week. So we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, but overall just what this defense has been able to do these last two weeks. Obviously, last week was against the Bengals. So, eh, how much it kind of a how much of a real test was the Bengals? But this game here, for me, really proved how much better this defense is giving. Not let's not forget, just a couple of weeks ago, they had given up back to back five hundred yard games. And now in these two games, you gave up 347 yards of total offense to the to the Seahawks, and you only gave up 250 total yards to the Bengals. Agreed. So are they what they were last year? No, but they're definitely getting better. And if they address the pass rush, if Eric DaCosta's got one more trick up the sleeve and can bring a legitimate pass rush in, a, a single pass rusher, all that's going to do is free up Matt Judon a little bit more, and you'll start to see the production on both sides of the end. I mean, yeah, I think I think you saw in this game, you know, there were questions prior prior to this game of do you do they continue? And I talked about it last week with James, do they continue to run with the the deep um uh, not safety, but the the deep secondary roles, mm-hmm. right? And pull the linebackers a little bit more off the field a little more often. And in the beginning of this game, I thought they were going that route because LJ Fort made a big tackle. Yeah. And he got pulled off the field. I was like, that's the worst thing you can do right now. <laughs> it was second down. Like, get his ass in there. They're going to attempt to run the ball. Go for it. Right. And they pull him off the field, but it worked. I give them credit to that because throughout the game, they started letting LJ step in a little bit more. Right. They started keeping McPhee in a little bit more. They started letting these guys do what they need to do. Peters was another big one Yeah, that they yeah. let stay in. He played a lot more than I expected him to play, but again, when the secondary is depleted as it was, if you just give him some simple concepts out there, he can make do. And I, I want to say he was only targeted like four times in this game. He stayed uh, on his mat. And I mean, sure. he didn't give up hardly anything. I think he might have given up one catch in this game, if that. Yeah, and then he had the pick six on top of it. But I think the big storyline going into this game was obviously Earl Thomas's return to yeah. Seattle for the first time. And, you know, prior to the game, he wasn't trying to make it a big deal through the media. But, man, this had to feel good for Earl. Oh, yeah. You, you know he was excited about that. You know he was excited with the emotions going in there. Um, and, he, you know, he was hearing all week from his teammates. And... He had some good praise for his teammates after the game. Today was big, man. Uh, my, my teammates have been telling me all week they had my back. And uh, it felt good for them guys to like, show up how they did today. Uh, felt so good to get that win. Uh, to come here, I uh, guess, an MVP-type quarterback and the defense played the way we played today. Uh, man, we're we on the right track. Now, Sonny, our boy Sonny, SCG Sports, he always talks about what – Earl has, you know, what Earl does going sideline to sideline and covering, you know, one side of the field to the next. Right. And really not showing up in the stats, but what his impact is on the defense. He had that kind of game in this game. He was all over the field. He was getting in the in the running lanes when he needed to. He wasn't allowing anything over the top. There were no big plays in this game. He had a hell of a game in this game. He was in Russell's head. 
Yeah. That's what he was. Yeah. He was in Russell's head, and after the game, he, he got a lot of respect from Russell. The two of them exchanged jerseys after this game. Uh, you know, from what from everything that I was hearing and understanding was that these guys have a pretty decent relationship off the field. Um, you know, they're, they're good friends. So for them to kind of do that after the game, you could tell Russell was shying away from her a lot. Yeah. And then just to go back to how much it had to mean to him. I don't know if you paid attention. I saw it. Uh, I watched again. I watched the entire game. But Lamar scrambled for. A nice, it might have been a third down gain. It might have been like a 15 yard game. He was kind of going towards the Ravens sideline, and you see Earl come, running out, coming of out of this, out of the dust, out of nowhere, and he comes running up to the sideline. And he's pumped up and screaming. It's just, I mean, again, we'll talk about Lamar. Let's shift our focus to Lamar. What Lamar's effect, the Lamar effect, has on this team, both offensively and defensively, everybody's buying in with this kid. Well, and Earl, in, in that same you know little interview, we didn't play the whole thing, but in that same interview, he gave credit to Lamar. He's like, this kid's the real deal. Yeah. You know, that's a guy that played with Russell Wilson on the other side of him. Again, let's remember, Russell Wilson... MVP type candidate, MVP MVP type player, right? Has been almost his entire career. Yep. That came from a guy who played with him. Right. I mean, that's all you heard after the game was praise from all the different Seattle Seahawks. I saw a tweet out earlier that had uh, clippings of different players throughout Seattle talking about how good Lamar was and and just how we didn't multi-dimensional know. he is. We didn't know he was that fast. He right. didn't look that fast. It was one of the things they and, were talking about. He didn't look that fast on, on tape. And I've been guilty of that as well because Lamar runs so effortlessly that he doesn't look like he's moving fast. It's not until you see him next to another player when he's outrunning that player and and just putting him in the dust and leaving him behind. That's when you really realize how fast he is and how shifty he is. And, you know, for me, I, I get frustrated and we talk about this all the time, but I get frustrated with all the the hate out there about the mobile quarterback and just kind of the, the image that they get and, and how they're not going to work and their bodies are going to break down. And, you know, you got to protect your quarterback and whatnot. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You cannot take this kid's special talent away from him and his ability to make plays with his feet is what's got him here and is what's going to make him an MVP caliber type quarterback at some point in his career. That's the kind of, of difference maker that he can be and everything that the Ravens are doing with building this offense around him and scheming around his talents. That's only going to highlight that more moving forward. And, And, you know, I get the worry. Everybody's worried. Nobody wants their big player to get hurt. Nobody wants to see the same thing happen to Lamar that happened to RG3 or that's happened to some of the other mobile quarters backs out there. But here's the thing. When you really watch Lamar run, he doesn't take big hits. He's elusive enough that he can feel the pressure, he can feel the hits coming, and that he will move in a way that doesn't absorb a big hit. And And yeah, and that to me, that's the one of the so there's two big improvements that you have to talk about when it comes to Lamar. And we're gonna get into them a little bit deeper, but one is that that part of his game with you know, or I'm sorry, the, the part of the game that everybody's talking about, which is the, the the passing. Right. But with the running, to your point, last year in the six games that we saw Lamar, you looked at him and he what was he doing? He was taking hits against linebackers. Right. Taking hits against safeties. What's he doing now? He's scrambling to the sideline. Yeah. There's another guy, technically two other guys, 
one in Seattle and one in Green Bay, both have the ability to do that in their prime. Right. And again, the Ravens, I think I only saw in this game twice where Lamar actually ran the ball up the middle. Right. Uh, one of which was on a big play, one that uh, was pretty important in this game. Uh, he came off, I could just see it in his face. And I asked him, I said, I said, you want to go for it? And he's like, yeah, I want to go for it. Let's get it. You know, and uh, I was told that Marshall said, if he wants to go for it, I want to go for it. <laughs> I felt the same way. I mean, if he wants to go for it, I want to go for it too. And uh, so went down and called timeout, and uh, it was just a great play. You know? I want to go for it too. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and again, he, besides that fourth down play, which was huge, this is, again, the the – the things that earn you respect yeah. from other players, right? You're willing to carry this team on your back. You're willing to put the ball in your hands, and you're willing to risk it all for the benefit of the team. And you went in there and you did it. You put, you know, you put the effort in, and he got the touchdown. And the Ravens from there didn't look back. And that the whole the whole point with that too with Yonda, just kind of point that out. This is the leader of this offensive line right. in, in Yonda coming out there and going. We got our quarters back, backs back. If he wants to go for it, we're going for it. Right. And then they get out there, and he go. they go for it, and he gets it. You know what you just did to that offensive line? They just they just got the support, and they just got the idea. And Marshall Yonda, I'm sure, is going to continue this with this, this offensive front. He's going to go, you protect his ass. Right. You get him where he needs to go. And if you mess up, I'm coming after you. I think that's the mentality that Marshall's going to have with this team to say, he put us on our back. You know, he put us on his back yep. and took it to the house yeah. when we asked him just to get us two yards. Yeah. He got us eight. And the great part about it, again, going back to just what he can bring with his feet, is even when he doesn't have that protection. When he gets outside of the pocket and he's got somebody chasing him, he puts a little shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. on a guy and he gets around him, just puts a little shimmy on him. And I mean, that's what's great about it. It's, Can you do that again? What was that? So was that many again? people just shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. give me the mic so I can take it away. No, it, it's <laughs> what Lamar is able to do out on that football field is unreal. It's, it's 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 not like anything I've ever seen. You can throw the comparisons out there to Randall Co or Randall Cunningham. Throw the comparisons out there with Michael Vick, of course. But he is his own quarterback, and he's got his own set of skills. Man, it's amazing. Yeah, he he's just you know Rico's chime in. He's straight fire. Like it's <laughs> it's straight fire. It's perfect. But no, I mean it's to to have a guy that to to Steve's point. The guy that's 22 years old. At 22 years old, he has this kind of knowledge, and he's half the age of Brady. Right. To get out, scramble out to the side. Some people, I think it was somebody just chimed in a second ago saying, uh, Ty on Facebook says he needs to he needs to slide, though. If you watch, he doesn't need to slide. No, and that's the thing. Like he he just he knows when to give his body up. And again, he gets himself out of the way. He runs to the sidelines. He, he has slid a few times. Yeah, when he's needed to. Right. That's the thing. It's just the decision-making that he's able to. And again, he's got one of the best mentors to learn from in RG3 because he's been through it. Right. His career, why he is a backup right now is because... He, didn't he did not listen to what everybody was telling him to exactly. do. Exactly, and he didn't know how to not take a hit. He was a, he was uber aggressive, always trying to get the extra yard, and was willing to take that hit, and eventually it it backfired on. Last him. thing I want to say on this is 
the the staff today. Uh, they interviewed a lot of the staff, obviously for the bye week. They interviewed, you know, the names that you don't really hear. The quarterback coach, you know, you you saw Greg Roman talk a little bit. Some of the other guys, and every single one of them just praised Lamar. Yeah. Even from the defensive side, they were like, he has evolved since what we saw last year. Yeah. So th- that just goes to show you the evolution that he's had and and the way that he's been able to to kind of control this offense. But one thing he could not control in this game. Someone in particular's hands. I think uh, if I was Lamar, I would have gone over to Andrews with yeah. a whole jar of tackum and gone here. Put you it know, on your hands, please. I wasn't even going to bring it up because he has been so sure-handed and he's been so good since day one. Like everybody's bound to have a bad game. I and get that. It I was raining, it. and look, I mean, it's no excuse. He's a professional athlete. He needs to make those catches. He had three of them that hit him in his chest. It was at least three. Yeah, there were three that he definitely should have caught. One was low. That was a bad throw, but he still should have come up with. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it yes, it was his worst game as a pro. Yes. But it's one game. Agreed. We were still Agreed. able to win, and that was another thing was Lamar didn't have Hollywood out there. His, his number two go-to, his number one go-to couldn't catch a cold in this game. Right. But yet he still found a way to win. He was able to do that with his legs. He was able to do that in controlling the clock. Later on in this game, they had two drives. I think it was their final two drives of the game that those two drives combined wasted an entire quarter of the second half. An entire quarter. That's yeah. how you win these types of games. When you're going up against some of the best, and like I said, Russell Wilson has been touted out there as an MVP candidate in this league. That's how you do it. Limit the amount of time that they're on the field and be efficient. If I can nitpick at anything, if I can nitpick at anything with this offense is they need to be a little bit more efficient in the red zone. They need to start turning yes. some of these kicks, <laughs> these field goals into touchdowns. And that was that was going to be my point was you've got to get these these – as soon as you hit the 20-yard line, I start kind of fearing a little bit. Yeah. Just because I'm like, can you finish it? Luckily, in this game, there was there was a drive. They're able to completely finish it inside, and that's when Lamar takes the run, puts the, the team on his back. You need to see that more, not with Lamar running the ball, but with them finishing that drive and saying, you know what, let's go for it. If it's fourth and one, fourth and two, I'm fine with it. Um, outside of that, it is kind of pushing it, and that Harb's kind of had that in, in his comments uh, post-game, but... Overall, when you look at that and you look at their red zone efficiencies, I think they're kind of like middle of the pack in the NFL when it comes to red zone efficiency. Sounds about right. And when you when you kind of think about that and what this offense technically has been able to put up in in some games, not in all games, but just in some of the games they've been playing, some games they can't even get to the red zone. Right. They struggle left and right. But when they do, they're still not able to finish. So you're telling me you're charging 40. 50 yards down the field, 60 yards down the field, and you're not able to finish it. And many times we're inside the 10 and we aren't able to finish it. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's why I say, like, if there's anything that I could nitpick, they definitely need to get better in that area. So I have a question for you on that. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is a misuse of Miles Boykin in those situations? Yeah, I think they need inside the red zone. They need to go big. They need to have 
both tight ends, if not all three tight ends out there. They need to have their red zone wide receiver target in a Miles Boykin out there. Get some of these guys in the back of the end zone that Lamar can throw the ball up to and let them use their size, their athleticism to go up and get it. Miles Boykin is built to be a red zone target. He has the added advantage of being fast as well, which is great. And we're really just scratching the surface of what we've seen with Miles Boykin. I think that chemistry with him and Lamar will come and will develop more over time. Uh, they just need to to trust each other more. Well, and we saw Boykin get used in the middle of the field in a big play. Yeah. You know, great, big, great grab in this game. But that's that was kind of my main thing was I'm like, every time they get in the red zone, he's looking Andrews across the back of the end zone or the you know center of the, center of the end zone, back or middle or back or front. That's where he's looking for Andrews. Right. But yet half the time you either have Snead or Boykin on the outside and you can get them and hit them all day long. Right. And so it's it's I, I think it's the play calling. I think it's just a little bit of the working through the progressions. And if he's too tight, he's throwing into some tight windows when they're getting in the red zone. So you mentioned play calling. And that was one thing that I was actually kind of impressed with in this game. And I say that not in the first half. What I was impressed with was we actually saw some game game time adjustments, some halftime yeah. adjustments in this game. I was the entire game. I was kind of yelling at my TV in the first half. Like why in this weather are we running East and West? Why are we are built in this kind of weather to run North and South? Take those five, six, seven, eight yard chunks at a time, kill the clock and just beat them to death running through the middle. And then when they want to load the box, take it, take it over the top. Right. Right. That's what I wanted to see. And we saw the adjustment. They went to that more in the second half and we saw how much better they played. Well, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about that with the East and West, you know, you, you can't you can't have the, the running East and West and being shifty when your foot's sliding all over the place. We right. saw Lamar almost go down because of that. Well, he changed cleats three different times in this game. He actually changed them five different times. Oh, wow. They only showed three. There were actually five cleat changes. He went through three in the first in the first half alone and then went through another two because he went back at the end of that game. He actually went back to the cleats that he first had on right. when the game started. So he went through five different cleat changes through that game. Did you hear his comment after the game? I did. He said he put on the second pair of cleats, and then he was getting caught by a linebacker. He said, nah, I can't have that. I can't have you getting caught by a linebacker. So he put on the original cleats. And, yeah, he was sliding all over the place. And you could see it right away. As soon as the game started, I'm like, man, Lamar is just so fast that his feet just were – no matter what, what cleats he puts on, he's not going to get any traction on a turf field like that when it's wet. Well, but somehow he was able to do it for no, some decent that, and runs. That's, yeah, he did, he did have some decent runs. But uh, like I said, it's just he was sliding all over the place in that game early on. Yeah, he definitely was. And, and overall, when you look at this, you know the other the other thing we can't go without mentioning is Marlon Humphrey in this game yet yeah. again with a fumble recovery in this game takes it to the house for a TD. Uh, it is is Marlon Humphrey a top. I'll go three cornerback in this league. Yeah. And he's not number two or number three. You truly think he's number one. I think that he is playing the best corner right now in the league. Gilmore 
in New England is also playing lights out football. That, that was going to be my that, only like one A one B type that situation. That's why I was is playing ridiculous football right now. But again, if you know, for all those people out there that want to give us shit, well, who'd you play early on in the year? Who, <laughs> who, who have the Patriots played this year? Right. So look, they're still undefeated regardless. They played NFL teams. They almost got beaten by the Bills. Yeah, they did almost <laughs> get beaten by the Bills, but. Hey, they just went out and made a trade for Muhammad Sanu. Right. So they're going to add that to their, their repertoire. I think they're getting their uh, their rookie wide receiver, uh, Nikhil Harry, going to be he's going to be coming back, back. Yep. from injury soon. So they're going to be loading up with a few more weapons there and a team that's already off to a hell of a start. It's going to be another big test for the Ravens in two weeks. All right, Scott, it's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what did uh, Jerry hook us up with this week? So Jerry hooked us up with the Trogs Brewing Company Cranberry and Blood Orange Tart Ale. Got to uh, be honest, not my favorite. Now, I mean, well, it's it's a, it's an a, it's an acquired taste because I'm not a sour beer. So let me yeah, let me press it, it is very tart. I'm I'll not a, I'm not a sour beer fan. So this is not a shot at them. I'm just not a big a sour beer. No, fan. I mean, with this one, you, you there's with it. You do taste the blood orange. You do taste the cranberry uh, because it's mixed with the ale. It does make it tart. They actually recommend that it's actually served in a chalice, which is why I've got the little chalice here. Uh, you know, I'm more fancy than Fred when it comes to beer. That's all it is. <sighs> fancy, uh, <laughs> but it's for pinkies it, up. Surprisingly, for the bite that it has, the tart that it has, it's only four and a half percent alcohol. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like for it to be a tart beer, you know me, I don't like tart beers. It better be like fifteen percent <laughs> for me to get through it. But it's nah, not. It's not terrible. It's a it's seasonal. A it's a seasonal fan. type beer, especially you know part of the reason they gave us to us, especially as we start to hit the the holiday season uh, after you know around and after Thanksgiving. This actually isn't a bad beer to have sitting you know sitting with with their your you know pecan pie or something. It is a dessert style beer. Well, they hooked us up with one other thing that I'm super excited about. I've had this before <laughs> tonight's show, and it's something that's uh, kind of new out there. It's very you're popular. You're going to pour a shot of it, too, I while am. you're at it. You can't find it hardly in the stores, but one place that has it is Liquor Stop up on Conowingo Road, and that's going to be this new screwball whiskey. If you haven't had this yet, it's a peanut butter-flavored whiskey. It is it, this, this whiskey just won national and international awards by the way it's amazing so there's there's so many things you can do with it you can drink it straight it doesn't have a hard bite or anything to it uh it's the same alcohol percentage as most of your whiskeys out there uh but it definitely has that peanut butter undertone and even a peanut buttery kind of smell to it this would be a good whiskey that if you were making like a a root beer float, or you were making some oh, kind of like yeah. an ice cream sundae or something. Oh, or you're talking my, yeah, you're talking my language yeah, now, man. buddy. You put it in there, it gives that little bit of peanut well, didn't butter you, flavor. Didn't you say you had like a mix too? So yeah, if you're going to just mix it with a soda, uh, shout out to my roommate, Bill. Bill's the one that told me this. You mix it with Sprite. Oh my God. And I'm not even that big of a peanut butter fan. I'm not. I mean, I, I like my peanut butter and jellies, I guess. <laughs> But I'm not really peanut that big butter, of a peanut butter fan. <laughs> this stuff is the real deal. I love I love the comment at the bottom. To the misfits, black sheep, and screwballs. <laughs> Cheers, To the Berlin BS family. And we'll give a shout out again to the, the fans over at Liquor Stop. Jerry, see him. 10% off. Berlin BS sent you. <sighs> All right, Scott. So, so good, man. Flock year this week. We got a bye week coming up uh, before... We take on our next opponent in New England at home on Sunday night, Sunday night football. Um, so I kind of wanted to take this week's segment and kind of focus on the first half of the year. What are kind of just overall 
take has been so far on the year. Obviously, the team sits at five and two when kind of going through the early season predictions. How's that line up where you thought this team would be? Um, it's not far off from where I thought the team would be. I think we all agreed that the, the beginning of the part of the season would be a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, there were some games that were a little tougher, a little, clo little closer than we would have liked. Um, you know, one being the Bengals game. Some people are, oh, we still beat them. A win's a win. I understand a win is a win. But just because it's a win, if it's a bad win, you got to look at that as, as a loss because here's why. Now, those teams that, are, that have a few more weeks to game plan for you, they got some film on what you're doing wrong. Yeah, no, that's very true. And, you know, look, again, as you said, sitting at 5-2, and two, when I kind of looked at the beginning part of the schedule, it's about where I expected. Maybe they had a couple of extra wins against some teams I didn't expect them to do, and they had a loss against a team I wasn't 100% sure on. Um, but at the end of the day, they're sitting at 5-2. and two. That's yeah. a damn good spot to be in, especially in the situation that they're in in the AFC North right now. Nobody is playing good football outside of us in the AFC North. They've got a nice cushion. Yeah, and I, I like it, but it's, it's, you cannot get comfortable. You cannot get complacent right now because when you look at the schedule that we have moving forward, it's not, a, it's not a pretty schedule. You have New England at home. You have Cincy away. Houston at, their ho at home or at our home. You have the Rams away. The 49ers at home. The Bills away, the Jets at home, the Browns away, and then you have the Steelers at home to round out that end of the year. Yeah, so this is where you hit the tough stretch of schedule. This middle part, middle to three-quarter section of the season is where it's going to get real tough. Then you've got what should be the kind of cush ending to the season as you're trying to make your playoff run you know you've got a injured riddled Steelers team you've got a Browns team that doesn't know their head from their ass and Baker Mayfield looks like a choke job just like every other quarterback that's come through Cleveland so far I'm not willing to throw it out out there yet but he hasn't looked good I'm at not, all this year I'm not disagreeing with you on that but I'm just gonna say look at what happened in the game against us that's all I'm gonna say I know I know things have changed and I'm gonna be the first one to say that because I love the changes that have been made right but we can't ignore what happened because they figured out how to be successful yeah. against us. And they've played good against us in every game, really, for the last four or five games. So it, it'll definitely be a test. But all right, let me, let me ask you this question. If you had to single out one thing, one thing so far this year, what's been the most impressive thing about this team so far this year? If you had to single one thing out. The minimization of penalties from the offensive line. Okay. I, I got to go with the conversation that we had with Matt Skura when he was on the show. Yeah. Um, I want love to love to try and get him on, you know, maybe next week or the following week if we can. Uh, but I, I love that we've seen a real true testament to this offensive line. It just goes to show you that last year was an adjustment. Them getting adjusted to Lamar. Yeah. They had more penalties with Lamar last year. We saw that. And so they're not getting hurt with the penalties as much. Are there some penalties? Yeah, the, this game, we saw the emotion come out with Lamar. We didn't even talk about that with Skura, where Skura didn't get the snap off. In, in that environment, it's hard. He's calling for it. He's calling for it. He's calling for it. But you, you got to get that play call in earlier to give this offensive line a chance to get set, for them to get, to get the ball hiked. But I, I have been, for me, 
That's the most impressive thing. I think we expected some changes. You know, some people might say Lamar. I don't know if that's where you're going to go with this. But, you know, I'm trying to think outside the box here. And for me, it's this offensive line has been a little bit more impressive than I thought they would be. So it would be easy to just kind of blanket and say Lamar. Right. right? It would be easy to kind of blanket to say Lamar. And at Ty Harris on Facebook, he chimes in with rushing. And that's, to your point, the rushing has been dominant. I mean, they've been great. But for me, personally, I expected to see that with this team. I kind of expected what we've Ingram, gotten out of expect- Ingram. <laughs> I've expected what we've gotten out of Edwards. And maybe Lamar's been a little bit above what I expected out of him this year so far. But if there's one single thing that I think I'm most impressed with and I'm most happy to see have gone away, Lamar's ability to hold on to the football. Oh, that's a good one. So how many times last year it seemed like it happened every game I think he had like six or eight fumbles last it, it year. It was something ridiculous. Six, it was seven games. six yeah. to eight, somewhere in that realm, fumbles every game. I have yet to see him drop a ball on his own. He had the one that was a bad snap by Skura, that kind of thing. But outside of that, his ability to clean that up, and obviously he put emphasis on it in the offseason. You know, when you drop one or two in your first season, or that can be nerves, it can be whatever. There was something going on it was problematic because it got it was again it was pretty much every single game right well he put in the time and effort and he fixed that and i think that's a big thing that goes unnoticed that people don't really talk about that's been helpful with this team he tucks the ball he doesn't carry it out far it's really good we got steve chiming in i'm curious to get your take on this because i have an opinion on this steve says not relying on our defense to win yeah i mean obviously we have been a defensive organization for a very long time. And the offense has always kind of complimented the defense, you know, in the sense that it's just, it's been asked to just do enough, right? Because we're so dominant on defense, just do enough. Well, this organization obviously made more of a commitment over the last two seasons to really revamp and change this franchise's identity to move more towards the offensive side of the ball. And now we're seeing that. So I agree. I think it's exciting for us because we're just not used to seeing this kind of exciting football on offense. Um, you know, it's it's real easy to watch Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers every week. Right. They're numb to it just as much as we were numb to stellar defense for so long. Or so, we were numb to Tucker hitting every field <laughs> Right, <gets>. exactly. So... <laughs> I agree with you, Sam. It's nice to see that change and not solely relying on your defense to win your games. I'm torn on this statement, and that's why I said I have an opinion on it, because I look at last game. Mm -hmm. Without our defense, what's the score? Mm. I 100% agree with you. Like This This game is way closer than it should have been. Our defense stepped up and played huge in this game. But if Lamar doesn't do what Lamar did in this game, we don't win either. So it's it's a team win. At the same time, how many many games have we won this year where we've won by a point margin of more than, I'll say, a score or two? Right. Between seven to ten points, there's not many games. You can say in Miami. We had the early on games. Right. But that's – and that's to my point is – I understand where the thought process is there, but I don't think feel like it's fully thought through because I think there is a lot this defensive play has played in in stopping and not allowing a team to continue to put on points. Right. You know, and continue to rack up the score like they potentially could. And so the defense is stepping up in that way. So I think we are relying on the defense, and that kind of goes back to our point regarding the red zone. Red zone efficiency is not there. 
Yeah. And so that, to me, kind of leading into the next question that I'm going to have for you, I'm going to give you my answer. My biggest disappointment in this team right now is this red zone efficiency. We can charge down the field all effing day long, but we can't finish and we're leaving points on the board and we're causing our defense to have to step up and stop some of these points from being put on. So it kind of goes right hand in hand in there. I agree with that statement, but if, if you're going to single out for me, one of the most, I guess the most disappointing things of this season, and it's not a surprise. I'm not going to say it's a surprise because I kind of expected it just based on the personnel that we had, but it's absolutely the pass rush. Like the, the, it's just been non-existent. Matt Judon has been basically non-existent. Uh, you know, Pernell McPhee had flashes where he kind of surprised me and, and, and he played okay. But look, if this defense truly wants to take the next step, that's the biggest hole. That's the area that they need to address the most is going to be pass rush. Because again, I've talked about this for weeks on weeks now, the effect that that pass rush has on the total defense as a whole, what it does to improve the back end when the when the quarterback doesn't have that extra two or three seconds to digest and read through his options and allow his receivers to find open space. If you can eliminate that by having a legit pass rusher, that changes everything. But did you see reverse psychology in this game, though? Because you go out and get Marcus Peters, so you have two of the arguably two guys that are definitely in the top ten Probably in my arguments, Peters may be even a top five with the way he's been playing Close. this year. Yeah. He's he's up there. Yeah. So to have two guys opposite each other locking it down, mm -hmm. a roamer over the middle who can be a ball hawk that's going to lock down everything, that actually gives your pass rush more time to get to them and force a bad throw, right? And so we saw that in that situation with Peters and force the bad throw. He gets the interception. Look, is it... Is it a mistake by Russell Wilson? Yeah, but that's my point. Russell Wilson, MVP candidate, hasn't had an interception all year long. They forced him to make... This is the first defense in seven games to force him to make a mistake. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with your statement. I just think the easy fill would be to go out and get a legitimate pass rusher. And again, it improves multiple things on this defense. There's just, that's the biggest hole. That's the biggest disappointment for me from this team as a whole. So then let me ask this as a follow-up question. Is that then your biggest question mark going into this bye week? What do you mean? So as far as what you need to change, what you need to do, what's going to happen in this bye week? Mm -hmm. Because obviously... Moves need to be made. Yeah, the yeah, trade deadline comes up next week. And that's my point. We we have this week to make moves. That's yeah. it. So you have your bye week. You don't get another week to actually see what your players can do. But you do have another week to let your players get healthy if you're going to trade them. And I'm going to throw this out there that there's one thing that's been floating around. Rumor mill, rumor mill, rumor mill. Is the idea of Jimmy Smith getting traded. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I don't know how attractive... Jimmy Smith would be to another team because of his contract situation. He'll be a free agent next year anyway. So it wouldn't just be a simple Jimmy Smith trade for a pass rusher trade. It would have to be loaded with picks and that kind of thing to make it happen. And the Ravens are up against it too, cap space wise. They'd have to restructure some contracts uh, to make a deal work with a, you know, a potential, a legit 
pass rushers. Now, the kid out of um, out of Maryland that's playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, Nadakwe, or I, can't yeah. even, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, that kid is a legit pass rusher, and he's still playing yeah. on his last year of his rookie contract. So he would make a lot of sense financially. It would be a less less of a challenge for the Ravens to be able to work right. it out financially. Um, I think but he again, had a pick six this week too, didn't he? In Jacksonville? May have. May have. I think he did, actually, now that you say that. I think he did. Uh, if it wasn't this week, it was definitely last week. But, yeah, that kid, I think adding a, a legit pass rusher like that really completes this defense. Well, the, the one thing that I heard with the Jimmy Smith, so I was curious to see if you would, if you would pull it in, was to yeah, bring in somebody right that name. would help in. Uh, it keeps it. <laughs> um, keep Jimmy or to have Jimmy Smith be traded for a guy in the Jets organization, Kaleche Osimile. I think that's just rumor mill crap. I, I, it may be. Osemele's been hurt. Uh, again, I can't see. I don't know. I mean, But he's familiar with the organization. Yeah, he's familiar with the organization, and that would be a big get for this offensive line if he's healthy, obviously, because the one big hole in this well, offensive line. I mean, it would be, be it would be kind of a kind of a left guard. It would be kind of a mute trade or mute trade when you have Jimmy Smith coming off an injury, Kaleche coming off an injury. Here you go. Who's right. going to come out on the better end of this? Right. Ah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, you know, the Ravens are going to be in a predicament when Jimmy comes back. Do all three corners play at the same time? Who moves into the slot? That kind of thing. What are they going to do uh, with some of the the, the changing in roles? I, I called at the beginning of the year. Maybe you move Jimmy Smith into a little bit more of a safety role. Well, see, I said that too in the beginning of the year, and I I'm just not sure that he's there yet. Like his his body type and his ability to cover fits being an aggressive, a hard hitting type of safety role, but. I don't know how much safety he's ever played, whether it be at the high school level or the collegiate level. That's a, pre a pretty big transition. A guy like Rod Woodson did it later on in his career and it extended his career quite a few years after that. And that's the only reason I'm saying that because Jimmy Jimmy is continually getting injured. And so that, that tells you the toll that that type of play is putting on his body. Right. So if you can allow him to kind of be a little bit more of a free roamer, uh, you know, I, I hate to say to kind of go almost, if they're going to go a... I'll call it a Patriots-style defense where they're going four and five guys deep in the secondary. Who else would you want back there? Because I yeah. know Jimmy Smith's on my... If I can, and they're thin as hell back there in that position anyway. And so. if I can put Jimmy Smith, Earl Thomas, Marlon Humphrey, and Marcus Peters on the, on the field all at the same time on a regular basis... I want to do that. Yeah, and then they should, and that's why I'm saying it'll be interesting to see what they do with packages and whatnot if Jimmy's still here. Uh, Deshaun brings up uh, Kerrigan from Washington. I like Kerrigan a lot. Yeah. I think he's a dog. I think he's a nasty player, and I think that given a new situation, something where he actually feels like he has something to play for, because it's not Washington. He hasn't had anything to play well, for wait, in wait, Washington. Maybe, in a very maybe he can long go time. to the Nats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, I think a guy like that, give him that extra spark to come into a winning organization, which he has never been a part of really in his entire career, would be huge. But I think the asking price, I've heard rumors out there that it's way, it's way too high for what he yeah, is. Yeah, that, that, that Dan Snyder's going to want way too much for a guy like Kerrigan. Now, if he comes down on his asking price, absolutely you beat that down, down that door and make that happen. But here's the other thing with when you're talking about, you know, we're talking about out, him being an outside linebacker. With him being an outside linebacker, what are we seeing with this team? They're tending to go more with 
your front rush guys and multiple guys in the secondary. LJ Fort is kind of the 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 I'll call him the wild card right now because after this game, what do they do with him? How do they treat him moving forward? Same with Bynes. At this point, when Peanut comes back, I don't want to see Peanut on the field. I, and it's that not, was my point. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think you know, they're look, playing too well. These I'm not going to sugar. Well. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Look, these guys are playing too good, and let's not forget they're still learning the playbook. Right. You know, Josh Bynes obviously had the inside edge, being that he's played in this organization in the past. But he's never played under a Wink Martindale defense. No. And the last time he played here was in 2012 when they were in the Super Bowl. So it's been a while. So, again, these guys are only going to get more comfortable in their roles. The communication should get better. The, the, the scheming will get better. I like Peanut, but I just, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of this group better. That, right that's that's my point, man. I, I think it's there. Craig Zero chiming in says Thomas Peters Smith and Humphrey. That's deadly. Unreal. That's my point, man. That's I my mean, point. That that secondary. If you'd have told me we'd have had that going into this season, oh my god! I mean, we already had high hopes <laughs> right. for this secondary. You add a Marcus Peters into that mix, man. It's just it's nasty. But you know, Jimmy Smith historically has had the injury problems that we're all aware of, and when he typically when he comes back from an injury like this, because he hasn't played in what five, six weeks now, yeah. when he comes back, it usually takes him a couple of weeks to kind of get back up to game speed and all of that. Um, so even though he's working his way back, it's probably going to be a little bit more time before we see Jimmy at a, a full health, fully healthy. But we'll see. I think this, this secondary is only going to get better as the season goes on. we got a week more to talk about it. All right, Scott, it's time for the primetime predictions for this week. And uh, we got some kind of, again, craptastic games <laughs> to talk about that here. That just says it nicely, man. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about last week for a quick second because last week you went three and one, my friend. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't get the pick that clicked. The pick that clicked actually came from our guest host James, who predicted thirty-one fourteen as the final for the Chiefs game. Sad to say that that was the closest pick when they won 30 to six. Yeah. Uh, solely because I think he had 31 and they had 30, but uh, totally off by nine there. I think the next closest was you and I were both tied for 10 in two of the games that we had. Damn, Craven, some Raven podcast, and he went 13 and one last week. Shout out to you, bro. Yeah, that's, man, awesome. that's awesome to go that well. I think I'm 18 and 11 so far on the primetime picks of the year. Uh, so I lead that category. You're 13 and 16 carrying up the rear and Brian 13 and 12 he missed the one week so he's got a little bit less yeah, games but Brian is moving in the picks that clicked because he, he, he moves us from three to four because of that picks from James because we're right. letting James guest star for him there uh but you Fred have won yeah no my picks haven't clicked <laughs> but my wins and losses have been good so <laughs> yeah right. hang my hat on that all right so the Ravens have a bye week as we mentioned this week so we've got three prime time games it starts with Thunder uh Thursday night football as the one and six Redskins go into Minnesota, which I'll be there, uh, to take on the Vikings at five and two. I don't think this is going to be much of a game. All ever since the kind of the mutiny in the locker room and all that stuff with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs kind of calling out the offensive coordinator for wanting to, you know, needing to throw the ball more and not relying so much on the run. Right. This offense has looked totally different in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is looking pretty good out there in Minnesota. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins has always been able to put up statistics. He's just Kirk never. Kirk Cousins always been a flip of a coin when it comes to games. Yeah, but these last couple of weeks since they really called him out, they've done really good 
uh, down there in Minnesota. I think this is a, a walk in the park for Minnesota. I got them winning 33-16. Uh, I got this same same type of deal. I got a little lower scoring than that. I got 28-13. to 13. I think they, they put points on the board. And Brian's right along the same line of thinking with us. He's got this as a 24-10. to 10. So all three of us, clean sweep for the Vikings here. All of us are in agreement. Low scoring on the side of the Redskins, higher on the side of the Vikings, just... Which grade, which grade of, of more points do you want? And we're right. not, we're all within, you know, between Brian and you, we're we're within nine points there, so not far off. And then Sunday night football, which should have been probably one of the best primetime games of the week or of the year, really. Yeah. You've got the six and one Packers who are rolling and and really starting to kind of thrive under this Matt Lafleur offense, going up against the five and two Chiefs, who just lost their star quarterback Pat Mahomes for a couple of weeks with that dislocated knee it was oh that stuff was disgusting just when you watch watch, it pop it back into place oh yeah when you watch it in like slow mode like you you kind of don't see it but then when you turn it into super slow like you watch the knee just and you're like oh but you know it is still fun to watch the chiefs offense you know even with matt moore out there i i've always been a fan of LaShawn mccoy you know, call him what he is, and, you know, he holds the ball like a loaf of bread out there, and he's he's fumbled the ball a lot in his career. But he's a lot like Lamar in the sense that he's got he's that shifty. He's got that shiftiness about that. him. That shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Good call. He's got that quick shiftness and the quick acceleration from when he stops to go. He's a fun player to watch, but Aaron Rodgers – is doing Aaron Rodgers things again. I think he had like 13 touchdowns this past week or something ridiculous. I want to say (laughs) he had four four passing and one rushing in this game. So he's lighting the world on fire. Did you see the video of Matt LaFleur giving him the game ball? I did. And he hands him the game ball, and he's like, and the old man still can run one in. (laughs) And the team just gets around him. And it it was cool to see that, too, because there's been a lot of shit in the media about you know they aren't getting along they're not getting along and Aaron Rodgers is still being a douchebag and all that kind of stuff so it was good to see that they're getting along uh I got the Packers winning this one pretty easily 32 20 uh I'm not far off I've got a a little higher than that though I've got 38 24 for the Packers here and I think it's just like we said it's a much watch game uh just for the simple fact that it's probably the best game in prime time that you've got in this lineup still the best game (laughs) even with Pat Mahomes going (laughs) down for sure exactly uh but then Brian, what did Brian tell you he had this game at? I didn't write it down. He's got it 32-14 Packers. Okay. Uh, so we're all on the same page here. It looks like we're all on the same page until this last game, <laughs> which this is going to be another one of those crap shoots of, of some of the worst. What is it with Monday Night Football? Monday, Monday Night Football sucks this year. Monday Night Football always seemed to get it right. For years past, they always somehow always picked the right games for Monday Night Football. This has been a terrible year. For Monday Night Football, I, the, the, everything about <laughs> Monday Night Football has been bad. The 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 announcing, the color commentary, just uh, everything. Didn't the, we have product. somebody? did we have somebody from YouTube tell us that the, the games are bad because we're not calling them like yeah. we were last year? <laughs> I kind of missed doing that. That was we we had to figure that out again. Yeah. That was fun. But anyway, you got the zero and six Dolphins led, led by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Which man, I'll tell you what. Even though this team is zero and six, that guy. When he plays, he lays it all out there. I like his grittiness, his his just no fear it's of the beard. <laughs> I just I I like his style of play. I'm it's, not it's, it's it's I don't give a shit attitude. Yeah. I want to go out there and play play yeah. play my game, and I'm gonna play to win. He's not afraid to run with the ball and take a hit and that kind of thing. I just like him as a you know 
as a player. He's not a great quarterback by any means. I just like the the way he carries himself. So you got the 0-6 Dolphins going into Pittsburgh to take on the 2-4 and Steelers, which it sounds like Mason Rudolph's going to come back from that Earl Thomas hit and play in this game. Uh, if this wasn't Mason Rudolph and we were still talking about the third string guy, I can't even think of his Hodges. name. Hodges. Right? Yeah, Devin Hodges. Delvin Hodges, right. So if we were talking about him, I might have had this game go the other way just because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, but I got this in a pretty low-scoring game. I think the Steelers do edge it out 17-13. I don't care who's playing behind behind the, the center when it comes to, to the Steelers. The Steelers' defense, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. The Ravens had a good game against them. They're not doing bad this year. No, the Steelers are, are a pretty sound defensive football and team. And so I got this one being a little more... You know, waited one way, and I got the Steelers winning this twenty-one to nine. I think they just stifle. I mean, let's let's not forget you got Miami, who's cakewalk when it comes to weather playing at home, right? Coming into the Steelers, getting into cold season, I just don't see them playing well. I, I don't see them them being able to put points on the board. I think you see this defense, you know, come up and and really make make a name. And let's not forget where did Minka Fitzpatrick come from. Yeah, he wants to have a big game in oh, this I'm game. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's got a chip on his shoulder. So I got this, this 21-9 Steelers. But <laughs> and then Brian, Brian, what the hell kind of pick Brian, is this? Brian must have thought the Marlins were playing against the, the Pirates <laughs> in this game. It must have been. Because he's got the Dolphins winning this game, but he's got the, he's got the score 6-3. to three. If the score is 6-3, to three, if this, this is, is, a, is the pick to click, I'm, is, I'm done with my predictions. This is officially the shittiest game of the year. That's the score. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So I know typically this is kind of where we end our segment with uh, the, the prime, prime time, time predictions. predictions, but I can't go without mentioning uh, tonight starts the World Series. Yeah, and baby. Since the Orioles season ends, I think we've needed a mental break from talking baseball. <laughs> so we've kind of gotten away from baseball a little bit. But look, the Nationals are in the World Series, and I love it because – this is just another way for Washington to stick it to Price Harper. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great that the first year. We didn't need your ass anyway. He doesn't even make the playoffs, and they go to the World Series in his first year. It's phenomenal. But outside of that, when I was kind of looking at my World Series picks, I was really high on the Nationals going into the playoffs this year because pitching will get you there. It pitching definitely will. This, this series proves it, by the way. Absolutely. I mean, you got two of the best in the game in Matt Scher Max Scherzer and uh, Garrett Cole going at each other tonight for this first game. So I'll let you lead off. Where where do you see this game going when you got two of the best going at each other in Houston? And then how do you see this series ending up? Houston is going to win this game 4-2. to Okay. Uh, I think I think Cole is just sh shut down lights out. Yeah, uh, he's been he has been all year. Uh, in this series, I got the series going to five, but <laughs> Houston's going to win their second ring. Yeah, you know, as much as I I, I thought the same thing when I looked at this, I'm not going to back off the way I felt about the Nationals going into this playoff season. Fair enough. And I do I, again, think, I can see where you're going with I this. I think this is going to be a hell of a series. And look, the Astros are stacked in the rotation, in the bullpen, in their lineup. They've got the experience. Like you mentioned, they've already won one World Series together. So they've got all that in their in their back pocket. But I still think that this may be a six or seven game series. I think tonight, Scherzer in his first World Series game. 
this is a guy who feeds off of energy, energy, and he feeds off of just that 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 high pressure situation. I think he comes out there and throws a gem tonight. I think Washington wins tonight two to nothing. I think he has a shutout. I think they win two to nothing, wow. and I think the Nationals take this series in Houston in Game Seven. You think it's going all seven? I think it's going series. seven games, and I think Washington takes it. Okay. I, the only reason I would disagree is there's a lot of pressure on the Nets. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Definitely on the a lot Nets. of pressure, but I, like I said, pitching will win it. And both of these teams have it, but I, I give the edge to Washington in that department. My only reason for, for because of pitching for Houston, mm-hmm. Garrett Cole, been on a contender yeah. in the playoffs, high pressure situations. Verlander. And succeed. And Verlander, yeah. who, let's not forget, when was the last time Houston won the World Series? Yeah. When they got Verlander, and Verlander led them there. And then they ended up going out this year and picking up Zach Greinke. So, I mean, they've got three legitimate starting pitchers. Now, Greinke's had some troubles. Greinke's a little bit of a, a, of a head case because he's got some issues with anxiety and that kind of thing. And you saw it kind of flare up a little bit in the Yankees series. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I think Nationals are going to be able to take a little bit advantage. I think... The Nationals have a better first three starters, in my opinion. But we'll see, man. It's going to be a hell of a series. It's going to be a fun series to watch. Just it, for me, look, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I'm an Orioles fan. I can't root for the Nationals. I'm a baseball fan. I'm a baseball fan. Yeah. I like the story. You know, the Nationals going after their first World Fair Series enough. since they've yeah. been here, that kind of thing. The Astros have had their time. They already won one. So for me, I'm going to go with the underdog. Yeah, I league. understand that. So we can't go without... If we're talking baseball, we got to mention it really quickly uh, because the rumor mill has been flying the past 24 hours uh, regarding the Orioles. Yeah, I, so I saw that, and and I wanted to really get your take on this because I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, I'm not a big fan fest guy for the Orioles. I've been once in my life, and when I went, there was probably you know. I'd say somewhere around eight to 10,000 people there. It was a good showing. I'm just not one to want to stand in line and wait for autographs and all that kind of stuff. It's just not my thing. You know, it's whatever. Yeah. But it's been part of what this organization has done for years now. As far back as I can remember, they've always done it. It was just a way for the players to kind of interact with the fans and for the fans to kind of feel a part of something, that kind of thing. So it's, I think it's good. It's just not my cup of tea. Right. But the rumors are swirling out there that the Orioles are potentially nixing FanFest as a whole. So it got me to start thinking. I'm like, why in the hell would they nix something that's such a popular event amongst fans and something that's always been a part of what this organization has done? So I started thinking, I started going down a rabbit hole. I started thinking, well, maybe that means that there's moves on the horizon. Maybe that's some of the faces that you would expect to see at a fan fest would be a Trey Mancini, a Dylan Bundy, some of the guys that have been around for years, Jonathan Villar, some of the bigger names. Maybe there's plans to move these pieces that they don't want the fans to have that kind of attachment to them. What's your take? Um, I, I get I get the thought process, and I get that there's you know there's also some people saying you know the, the, we were talking about this a little bit you know pre-show. And so there's some people that are kind of chiming in saying, well, it's the organization separating themselves from what the what the organizations have previously done, right? Um, you know, under the different regimes, and that they've allowed it to happen, and they, you know it, it's been a thing. Here's my thing: if it costs you more 
to run an event than you made. Would you do it again? I see where you're going here. No, I wouldn't. From a business decision, I wouldn't. And that's my point. Everything. I was there. I've been to multiple fan fests. I've been to, I, I want to say all but one fan fest in the past 20-some years. Mm-hmm. Last year was by far the worst turnout I've ever seen. Really? How many people were there? I mean, you're talking probably like four, maybe 5,000 people Ugh. the entire day wow. showing up. You know, at, at its height, you know, back in 2012, 2014, when we were going through, you know, the highs. Right. You saw that number 10, 12, 15,000. Oh, wow. So yeah, you're a talking like a, a, third. a third to half of what, what you're used to seeing. Wow. And you're not making any profit. You got to, these pet, these players are being paid for appearances. Let's not forget that. Yeah. You have to have your, you have to fly all the staff out there. You have to put these players up in hotels. You have to rent the convention center. And then you've got to have the sales to back it up. Right. So yeah. from a sales standpoint, I look at it and say, I I think, and I don't think, you know, maybe they come out and tell us why later on, if that if they do do it. It hasn't, it's still a rumor. Yeah. You know, they may they may just be floating it out there to to get fans interested and so that then they can turn around and say, Oh, we're gonna have fan fest, and all the fans go, Oh yes, let's go. <laughs> right? Before they get rid of it again, let's go. Right. Right. It, it could be it could be a business ploy. But if it is in fact because of business, I, I completely understand. I was there last year. Right. It was it was fucking dead. Yeah. Well, it was definitely something I needed to at least bring up because again, it's just been something that's been a part of the organization for so long. Yeah. All right, Scott, it's time for a social media shout out, and you got to get us caught up on these flips. Oh, oh you got to go through them all. You got to go through them all. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot. My bad, guys. <laughs> so distracted. We're getting intense conversations here, man. I know. So I've seen you out there Ty, Sam, Nate, Carlo, uh, Anthony. Who else we got out there? Mark, Deshaun, as always. Garnett, as always. What's up, man? Sam, as always. Uh, Craven some Raven. We talked about you earlier. Troy, what's up, brother? Um, Jay Will, what's going on, Jay? Uh, who else we got out there? We said, got Mark said, on there. Said Mark Dwayne. Uh, they they were going off. They were all going off there man. for a little while, man. <laughs> they were going. Sherry Reedy, as always. Sherry Sherry always in there, man. We appreciate that. Nate, I think I might have said him. I already. think you said Nate already. Uh, let's we see. We got a bunch here. of you out there. You guys, Chanel. Chiming in like crazy. Jamal. What's going on, Jamal? It's been a while since I've seen you in here. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Shell and tell. What's going on, Ryan? <laughs> Shell and tell is always Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it for everybody that we've got in there. Everybody been kind of chiming in there. We've been kind of get you guys in. Uh, Zach also out there chiming in. Cord. Uh, we appreciate you guys chiming in. Yeah, on make sure you guys get your questions in. Anything that we didn't cover that maybe you want us to hear hear us talk about in the last call segment of the show, get it in now, and we'll try to get to it in the last call. All right, man, it's time for some turtle talk. I hit the button. <laughs> you hit what button? Turtle talk. Oh, early? No, I hit it now. We're good. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I just point out, I was I was making you were fun shaking of the your head at me. I'm like, what the hell? I was going making on fun here? of the fact that I was behind on those uh, those changes. See, That's this right. is what happens when when our, our when bartender's not, not here. here. Shit goes our, to hell. Our, our bartender does a lot more than bartend. Let's just put it that way. 
All right, man. So this week's Turtle Talk, again, the, the Terps lose at home to Indiana 34 to 28. Uh, they go to three and four now on the year. Score does not tell the story of this game. No, no, it really doesn't. Um, again, I said it earlier, this was really the first <laughs> full football game of the year for the Terps where you were actually engaged for the entire year or for the entire game because one team or the other wasn't getting blown out. Yeah, it's it, with this one. Again, we call it a semi-ugly game just for the simple fact that the way that the score turned out was not the, the piece of this game. You look at Piggy. He had some struggles in this game. He has yet another interception in this game, yeah. and it came at a horrible time when you look at everything. Here, here's what happened. On first down to the air, and it's intercepted. Reese Taylor picks it up. Pigram sailed it. Yeah, I mean, look, Piggy, though, was a big part of what kept us in this game. Agreed. Uh, so, yeah, he had the obvious big interception at the end of the game. And what made that hurt even more is when you went back and you looked at the tape and I saw somebody on Twitter put a picture up of it, a still image of it. Goddamn triple coverage. Yeah, that. And then on the other side of the field, Dante Demas is standing there wide, wide open. open, wide open. So. It's it's one of those things where did he kind of get just focused in on one player? Was he telegraphing it too much? How do you end up with three defenders on one guy unless you're staring him down? That right. kind of thing. And how do you not see a wide open Demas like that? So this is a, a, a look, an average at best quarterback making an you know a bad decision. Um, you know, I again I, I'm to the point now with this team that I really want to see what other options that we have out there. Uh, you know, obviously we don't want to burn uh the young kid Lejean's red right. shirt too early, but you do have a few more games. I think you might have two more games of eligibility with him that you can at least see what this offense might look like with a quarterback of his kind of stature right, and his, with his, his caliber. His, yeah, his uh, attributes would look like in this offense. But you know, it was a game that the, the Terps could have won. You know, Javon Leak in this game, he had yet another, another big game. Takes it again, has a seam up the middle. Javon Leak can fly. He is inside the 20 with a house call. I give Ryan a lot of credit on this because in the beginning part of the year, he was real high on Javon Leak to the point where he wanted to see Leak get more carries than Ant McFarland. Than Ant McFarland. Yeah. And now, look, McFarland's been banged up these last couple of weeks. They say he'll be back for this Minnesota game. He'll be healthy. But at this point, I still think the bulk of the carries have got to go through Leak. Do you think Ant was really banged up, or do you think that was an excuse in a way to, to kind of say, Ant's been getting beat in a lot of these games? And so let's go elsewhere and just say Leak is Leak is not feeling his his hundred percent. So we're gonna rest him so he can get back to hundred percent. Like, nah, I don't think that's it. I, I look, this team is it's really thin at the running back position at this point. Ryan and I were talking about this at the game. If Leak goes down or one of these one of these other running backs go down, who comes in? Who yeah. is the, who is that third guy now? You know, because Jake Funk's gone, Lolo's gone. All the you know, all the depth that you thought you had in the beginning of the year are now gone. I don't think that they're just benching McFarland for the sake of benching McFarland because he's getting out produced. You might see his role switch where he's not the primary back carrier, which we're starting to see, obviously, but they wouldn't bench him if the injury wasn't for real. 
Do you, th- I mean, do you think it, you move to maybe he becomes, you know, your, your guy to get you in the red zone. And then once you're in the red zone, it's, it's leak because leak has been, I, the easiest way to say it, in my opinion, with, without kind of overstating, it's going to be an overstatement. It's going to sound like an overstatement in the red zone. Leak has been lethal. Well, they both have in their own right because both of them have seven touchdowns at this point on the year. Ant McFarland and Leak, but Ant has more carries on yeah. those seven touchdowns, and that's that's I guess that that's kind of going to my point is he's put up that same number of touchdowns with less carries than Ant. Yeah, we're we're seeing more explosive plays right. out of out of Ant McFar or out of uh, Javon Leak than we are out of Ant McFarland so far this year, and I think. That was something I didn't expect. I thought we'd see a lot more explosion, a lot more power, and a lot more stronger runs from Ant McFarland, but we just haven't yet. Um, you know, I thought, truthfully, going into this year, I thought Tayon Fleet Davis would be our red zone back. I, I was going to ask you, are you guy. surprised at he's, his minimal usage? He's kind of that bigger back, the guy that can kind of bull rush you, power, you know, power runs, eyes right straight through the middle, dives, that kind of thing. Um, but you're right. I mean, Javon Leaks played really, really well in the red zone. Uh, so look, I'm all for it. At this point, I want to see the best of the best that we have out there. And I want to see any combination of anything out there that's going to help this team. Because when you start looking at this schedule from here on out for the rest of the year for the Tough schedule, <laughs> you can make though a, a one win would be a fight. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they may finish with three wins. You know, they're going in this coming week, and, and Ryan and I are taking our first Big Ten trip out to Minnesota uh, to jealous. watch this game in person. Very so jealous. excited for the game. But look, Minnesota's 7-0. and And look, when you look at their schedule, have they played the greatest of talent? No. Have they had any big wins? No. But they're 7-0. and they're a good football team. It's going to be a big test. But when you look, let's look. Let's look at the the Golden Gophers. You know, for Minnesota, let's look at what they've done to their last few opponents: Rutgers forty two to seven, Nebraska thirty four to seven, Illinois forty to seventeen, Purdue thirty eight thirty one. That's their closest in the past four weeks. So to say they haven't been playing big, but look at the t- opponents that you just named: Rutgers terrible. Nebraska, decent. Illinois, terrible. Purdue, close game. But like look none at, of those are big games or uh, against anybody big. Agreed, but look at the game against Purdue. Yeah, 38-31. Look at what, what they were able to do against a tough team mm-hmm. that went in and blew us the fuck out. Oh, yeah, no, we shit the Sorry, bed. Sorry, excuse my no, language, but... We absolutely shit the bed at Purdue. Uh, that was a game that I thought... If we could put a couple of games together, if we win that Purdue game, we win this game at home against Indiana, we go into Minnesota and we win the game there, potentially we win the game when we go to Nebraska, we're back in that bowl contention. Even with the start to the year that we had, the couple of losses that we had, if we can win those games, there's still potential for this team to get to a bowl. There's no way at this point. Minnesota's motivated too. You know, this team went, they were ranked number 20 last week in the AP poll. This week they move up to number 17. You know, Excuse me. Whew. This team is motivated. They are ready to play, and they they do. They are not about to to lay down against the Terps. I hate to say this. This hurts to say. I'm not sure if the Terps can win this game. No, I, I honestly I don't feel very good about it either. I mean they're they're led by a quarterback in Tanner Morgan who's got 1623 yards on the season. More importantly, he's thrown 16 touchdowns. To three interceptions. That's a good ram damn ratio. That's a really good ratio. And when you lose a Tino Ellis 
for the year in the secondary. Not that Tino has been playing great football this year, but he's still one of our best defensive backs on the team on the roster. Something happened to Nick Cross last week. I still have yet to been able to figure it out because you know they made a big deal about Nick Cross getting his first start last week, and he did. He came out on the field. He played decent football early on in the game. He did get burned early in the game for a big catch. Yeah, uh, and I thought, well, maybe they pulled him out because they were you know chewing him out for letting up a big play or something like that. But he never returned in that game. And it's been kind of hush-hush. I hadn't seen anything about There's no whether, injury report. There's nothing on it right now. Right. I don't know if he's if he's injured or not. So the secondary is very susceptible. And when you've got a quarterback like Minnesota has in Morgan putting up these kind of numbers, man, it's going to be a tough, tough game for this defense. It's going to be an extremely tough game for this defense when you look at everything that they have. You know, you, you mentioned the yardage, the touchdowns, the interception ratio. Let's look at this for a second. This guy is 101 out of 152 throws. Yeah. Two out of every three throws, this guy is hitting his mark. For a college quarterback in this day and age, that's pretty goddamn good. And it explains to me why this team is 7-0. and So I'm going to say it right now. It, this this hurts, and and Ryan gave me shit. I gave both of us shit yeah. two weeks ago when we both pick, picked Purdue to win, and I, especially me when I gave them when I said it was going to be a blowout game, and it wound up being a blowout game. It's not going to be a blowout game, but this could be a tough game to win. Minnesota to me wins this game thirty three twenty one. Okay, all right. So before I give you my predictions, I got to give you my star of the week from this past week's game. Okay. And I know it was on a loss, and it was it's real easy to say Javon Leak was the star of the game because <laughs> he had some big runs in this game. He obviously had the I'm big curious touchdown. on where you're going with this. On the defensive side of the ball, and again, maybe it didn't come across the same way on TV as it did in person, but Ryan and I talked about this pretty much all night long when we were there. Chance Campbell, the linebacker, okay. kid out of Calvert Hall, right? has really cemented himself in this defense over the past couple of weeks. He's gotten better and better every week. And in this game, he broke up a surefire touchdown in the end zone. I know exactly which player you're talking about. Full extension dive to deflect tips, the ball tips at, the the last second, get out of there. Yeah. at the last second to, to prevent that touchdown. Huge play. Happened right in front of us. Huge play. Changed the whole drive for that 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 drive there for Indiana, uh, and this guy he's just all over the field, sideline to sideline, making big tackles, big plays. He's one of the few that's actually kind of getting in the backfield and disrupting things. Because I'll be honest with you, the big transfers that we've seen, you know, Keandre Jones and Shaq Smith haven't stepped up like we expected them they've to. They've gone quiet these last couple of weeks. They played great early on, early in in the season, but over these last couple of weeks. They've kind of been to the wayside. Could could that be a result of maybe being overworked? These kids don't have the maybe they're the, college kids, man. And these guys went but maybe, to but it's premier. They went to premier programs in Ohio State and Clemson. If they're not working their ass, I don't know what colleges out there would be. These are the best of the best as far as college programs, and they came to Maryland. And so far. Like I said, halfway through the year, it looks like they're pretty gassed. Playing devil's advocate, being an asshole a little bit here. <laughs> Could that be why they left? No, I, I because think they I, couldn't handle those programs. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think it, for them, it was came down to playing time. Okay, it came just, down to playing again, time. I'm, I said I'm, I'm playing devil's yeah, advocate. No, I got here. you. I think so. it came down to playing time. It came back to playing back at home. 
both of those guys had said publicly if if Mike Loxley would have been at Maryland, they would have gone to Maryland. They would have yeah. gone to Maryland from the get go. So I think that's more along what it is. For me in this game, Maryland versus Minnesota. The I'm Homer it down, so you better, you the better. Homer in me wants to pick Maryland, but I can't. I can't in this game. I just don't have faith in this team. And if I'm being a realist, I think the I think the Terps end up getting upset pretty badly in this game. Oh, okay. So you got it way worse than I do. I, I have it 38-17. Okay. And the reason I say that is because there's been talks out there that not only is Anth McFarland back and healthy, but so is Josh Jackson. And they haven't made an announcement yet whether it's going to be Jackson that's going to be starting or it's going to be Piggy that's going to be starting. And I'm pretty positive they're going to end up going with Josh Jackson again, and we're going to see the same shit show that we saw the last couple <laughs> weeks before he got hurt. Would you shit your pants if for one game they said, eh, we're just going to go Lance LeJean for this I game? I would love it. For me being there, <laughs> I, I know Ryan would get excited about that too. I would love to see that, but I don't think that that's going to And be you guys me. are doing – are you guys doing a podcast while you're out there? Yeah, so – we were talking about it. We were actually going to record. <laughs> Surprise, Ryan. We were uh, <laughs> we were going to record Thursday night, but instead, yeah, I'm going to pack the gear, take it down there, and then we'll record from our hotel room, get it loaded up, so that way the uh, fans out there for Shell and Tell will have a, an episode to listen to prior to That's the Minnesota awesome, man. game. You guys, can, you guys can maybe even get it. You know, get into. Are you going to go to the the Vikings game while you're out there? Are you going to try to get tickets out there? No, because we're not getting into town until Friday. They play on Thursday night football. Oh, that's right. I forget yeah, about that. So we'll we'll be just out of out of town before. There's really not a whole lot to do in Minnesota. I'm looking forward. All to of America food. That's what he said. <laughs> All of America is about the only thing to do. I was like, we can go catch a movie, make this thing a real gay trip. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But <laughs> go watch I'm the Brokeback Mountain while you're at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, man. Hold on. Before we switch over, there was one other thing we had to bring up with the Terps. Yeah. Terps basketball. We cannot go without oh, saying man, what happened this week. Oh, man, you're absolutely right. I forgot. They they did release uh, the latest AP polls uh, for the basketball season, and the Terps come in at number seven. Yes, they came polls. in number seven. Quite surprised. The other big thing came coming out of this news is Vegas is right behind that. Vegas has them with LSU and Baylor as the top odds in college basketball before the season even starts at 40 to 1 odds for all three teams. Do you remember my take last year on on college basketball rankings? You hate them. Can't stand them. Like legitimately to me the college rankings mean nothing and I think that it gets into players' heads. We've seen this in the past, you know, a couple years ago when Diamond Stone was here, Mellow Trimble was here, and they were a top five team, and they were all the preseason, you know, favorites to potentially win the national championship and all that stuff. We saw how that season worked out for them. So I'm not one that likes this kind of praise. I'd have rather seen them not ranked, or rather seen but, them ranked in the top 20, not number seven. But that year, Vegas was not as high on them. No, and I don't care about Vegas either. I care I, about Vegas because Vegas gets it right a lot. I don't like undue pressure. And I feel like, for whatever reason, anytime the expectations are high for a Terps basketball team, it always seems to have some sort of a negative effect on them. Minute warning. Throwing up my gang signs again, bro. <laughs> What's happening? 
Two minute warning. <laughs> minute warning side, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Fred, I have done the past two weeks for the two minute warning. Yeah. So it is your turn finally. And you've got one, two, three, four, five, six stories here. If you get through four, I'll do a shot, and it's going to be this peanut butter that we got from Liquor Stop, buddy. Oh, painful. <laughs> I'm sorry you're going to have to do that shot. Good Lord. All right. All right, Fred, it is your turn, and your two-minute warning starts meow. For all you NBA fans out there, you're going to have to wait a while to see your new superstar, Zion Williamson, take the court. The star rookie out of Duke is expected to miss six to eight weeks of the regular season as he had meniscus surgery to repair a tear in his right knee. For a guy who makes his marks on his hops and flashy dunks, having knee injuries this early on in his career, not a good sign for New Orleans and the Pelicans. For all the bad that's been surrounded by the Detroit Lions for decades, I thought this was kind of an interesting note. Lions quarterback Matt Stafford became the fastest quarterback in NFL history to throw for 40,000 yards in his team's win over the Vikings this past weekend. It's pretty impressive for a guy who's never won a playoff game, never really been surrounded by much other than mediocre talent, except for the one exception in Calvin Johnson. Well, we all know who the GOAT is when it comes to kickers, and it's not much of a debate, but Cowboys kicker Brett Maher blasted a 63-yard field goal during their game against the Eagles on Sunday. It was the longest field goal in Cowboys history and put himself as the first ever player in NFL history to kick three field goals from further than 60 yards and the first player to make a field goal from 60-plus in back-to-back games in the Super Bowl era. Kind of surprising to me that Justin hasn't demolished this record as of yet, but hey, Jay Tuck, you up for the challenge? We'll see. Yankee pitcher CeCe Sabathia has decided to retire from the game of baseball after a long and very impressive career. A Hall of Fame career, in my opinion. World Series champ, ALCS MVP, 3,000 strikeout club, Cy Young Award winner, six-time All-Star, led all of baseball and wins twice, and the model of consistency. The way he was able to adapt when he lost his 98-mile-an-hour fastball and really become a well-rounded pitcher, that, in my opinion, is what made him great. Tip of the cap to you, CC. Hey, in case you didn't know, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. I don't really give a shit. But I'm positive a bunch of you guys out there, so go see it, I guess. I saw the fourth one go, so there it is. <laughs> oh, man. Let's well, give a shout-out to our lovely sounding as headphones here. As always, we want to take a second to thank the good people over at Sound United, the parent company of Polk Audio, Definitive Technology, Denon, Morantz, and Classe, for sending us these attractive headphones. Denon makes some of the most popular AV receivers, but, man, do they know headphones, too. These premium headphones sport ear cups made of real zebra wood, an exotic tone wood used on high-end acoustic guitars. This lends the AHD5200s a naturally warm, musical sound. You'll find Denon's free-edge drivers under the hood, a shining example of Japanese headphone engineering. Large dynamic drivers are suspended within a baffle system that lowers resonance. The drivers deliver healthy mids, smooth highs, and tight, potent bass. Just let your ears sink into the plush blended leather padding and enjoy music like never before. All right, guys. We appreciate everybody tuning in as always. Great show, Fred. Love it. Uh, Hopefully next week we will have our bartender and producer back. It hurts when he's not here. I forget to hit changes. It sucks. (laughs) Miss you, Brian. (laughs) Miss you, man. 
So make sure you check out our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, check out all of our episodes. Learn about each of us. Contact us and get yourself some Birdland BS gear, hon. <laughs> Bunch of you guys were saying that you love the gear. We appreciate it, guys. Make sure you follow us on our, all of our social media accounts. Big Play uh, is on there as well on their Big Play Twitter page and the Big Play app. You can also follow us directly at birdlandbs.com at fredblbs at scottblbs and at bartender underscore blake we appreciate you guys tuning in and make sure that while you're there each week like follow subscribe and share if you want your opinion or topic heard on the show use the hashtag that's blbs as always check out the audio version of the podcast spotify itunes google Podcasts. fred wherever the hell you want to listen anywhere and everywhere just listen that's, that's right. all we're asking that's right but as always, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Tuesday night, 7.30. will be my last trip before I go on vacation, and I'll be reporting from Florida, that horrible place to be. Yeah. I'll be in snow <laughs> in Minnesota in a couple days. Have <laughs> yeah, fun, buddy. Yay. From Fred, myself, and IT Brian, we'll see you guys next week. See ya!